Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 30. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in, uh, in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you with, um, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then, whether I come to you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everybody. Let's pray. Lord, please give me the words that you want me to speak. Please be with me and please be with all of us, Lord, that this passage, these words, my thoughts, Lord, they may draw us ever closer to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. 
Okay, I have to admit, I found this uh, a very difficult passage this week. Um, I sort of read about Paul, and I read these words, and I don't know if you ever get that feeling, but I feel Paul's at the very top of this ear ladder, and I'm not even on the first rung. And I don't know if you get that feeling that of, is it worth it? Have I got too far to go? I'll tell you something that happened a couple of weeks ago that gave me the same feeling. We were very lucky. We were crossing into Canada, into Quebec province, and we got through the customs. It had taken ages, and we were really hungry. And we got off at the first junction off the highway. See, I'm getting the words off the highway. And looked for a sandwich shop, and there was a subway. And so we parked and we went in. We were the only customers and we were hit by this barrage of French. You know, obviously it was which bread do you want? Do you want ham, cheese, mayonnaise? Do you want it toasted? I mean, it's bad enough in English. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going, oh, oh, stop, slow down. Ah, ooh. And after just hearing about five words, you know, one, one in five words rather, I thought, well, yes, I do know what I want in this sandwich. So very slowly, uh, we ordered what we wanted and got nearly what we thought we were going to get, and we sat down and ate it. But as I was sitting there, I thought, hmm, I lead a French group. I thought I could speak French. When a French person speaks to you in their own speed, throwing in a bit of slang as they go, you suddenly realise that after nearly 50 years of learning this language, I still am miles away. And I did think to myself, good grief, Okay, Tina, is it worth it carrying on because you're never going to understand enough or speak fast enough? Or... And that's the same sort of feeling I got when I read this passage. He is so close to God. He's in prison. He's suffering. Nero is the emperor. He hasn't got to the ridiculous time after the, that came after the fire where he was just sacrificing Christians all over the place. But he was a complete loon. He could have said tomorrow, you're going to die, and he could have died. He was in this really precarious situation. He was in prison. He was suffering. He wasn't doing what he thought he should be doing. But he knew God had put him in the right place, and he was going to make the best of it. What do I do when bad times come? I kick the chair, I scream, woe is me, I shout at God, and then it suddenly occurs to me that maybe, not until a while afterwards, in truth, that actually that time when I needed God was the time I was closest to him. That's when I was on my knees more. You never know. Fancy that. I met someone. Fancy that. That happened. Gosh, I was able to talk to that person. I grew during that time. But for me, it takes a little while for the penny to drop. For Paul, he was there. Then there's also that bit that I have to confess to now. In verse 21, when he says... For me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you read on, you really know that 
in truth, Paul was going to obey God's will, he was going to do what God wanted him to do, but in truth, he'd rather die and go to his Heavenly Father. And I can honestly say that, of course, we obey God's will, but I think if God wanted to call me now, I'd say, Lord, just give me a bit longer. So you see where I am on these ladders and this rung. But the more I thought about it and the more I prayed about it, I know that I want what Paul has for being so close to God. Paul had that complete assurance that God loved him. He trusted him through and through. Paul knew God was with him. He loved him. He wanted the best for him. And Paul could trust him and be at peace and have joy. And in truth, that's what I want. And I'm sure that's what all of us want. And so if we feel we're climbing a bit of a mountain or a bit of a ladder, God is with us because he wants us to climb and he is with us because he gives us all the strength we need and he loves us so much. He just wants us to be near, near and nearer to him. So yes, I'm going to keep climbing. Don't be sorry. Don't be worried. I'm going to keep climbing. So okay, that was a bit of a long preamble before I even start, but I promise the middle and the end are quite short. So okay, uh, Davo started us off with this letter to the Philippians last week. And he explained that Paul had planted this church, it was about 10 years before, And now Paul is in prison in Rome and he's writing to this church in Philippi. It's almost like, well, it is, it's a thank you letter. It's saying thank you to God for giving me these wonderful people and meeting them and them letting me meet them and all the rest of it. It's saying thank you to the Philippians for their faith and their work and their efforts and their love of God and their love of him. They'd sent him a gift. Oh, he's just so thankful for them. But now, from this verse, he, he just opens up to them about where he is and what it means. In a way, I think the Philippians would really need to know. I mean, we, we've got you know, Paul, who they think is this fantastic man who goes out on missions and plants churches and he's absolutely wonderful and he's stuck in a prison. And you could ask yourself, well, what sort of God's that then? You know, because you're not being allowed to do the work you're supposed to be doing. So Paul writes this letter in this bit anyway. He's saying, no, God's put me in just the right place. At the time, Rome was the the centre of the world, if you like, well, the civilised world anyway. Paul was in house arrest, he was under house arrest. But it did mean that he could meet people, he could write letters, he could carry on his work. He was guarded, the books say, by the Praetorian Guard. They were the special ones. They were the emperor's own troops. They were the real elite force. And it said in the book that they changed every six hours. 
Well, you'd have at least two, wouldn't you? So they were a bit of a captive audience, weren't they? There was Paul, sat on this chair, and they were having to guard him. And Paul talked. Paul told them the gospel. Fantastic. There were cleaners, there were cooks, there were people in and out all the time. Paul had the chance to speak to people he'd never have had chance to speak to. Fantastic. He says there were people actually out there that because he was in prison, they picked up the baton. Some of them for good reasons, some of them out of envy, but they were all preaching the gospel, so it didn't matter. The gospel was being preached more because Paul was in prison. Paul got it. God was doing a great work. How amazing was that? Wow. So he's serving the gospel in a home prison. Absolutely wonderful. He goes on to, to tell them to, to stand firm. He's suffering, but he knows why he's suffering. It's for God. And he has wonderful joy and peace in doing so. And he says to them, of course, bad times around the corner. They always will be. But take me as an example. I'm growing and living and loving and getting closer to my God because I see him working through me. I want the same for you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, I, I just love the verse, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks constantly. And it just doesn't mean in the times of excitement and when we think of all those beautiful things. It means when times are rough and hard. Because that's when we get closer to our Lord. So, rejoice in the Lord always. I don't know, at Forward we used to sing um, this this. I don't know what you call it, this bit, what do you call it when you break into groups and stand up and sit down? Can't remember. Yes, so old-fashioned. I mean, really, I'm terribly sorry. It shows my age. But that's it. Thank you. Round. And that's like one used to sing, you know, Rejoice in the All, and then another one broke, and it was, the roof used to come off. And it, as I was thinking about this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So, yeah, as I've read this passage, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's opened my eyes to the way I have to go and the distance I have to go. But knowing that I want to go the distance and I want to keep climbing to get nearer and nearer to my God because he loves me. The other words I found in a book which I, I thought was so beautiful, it was comparing happiness with joy. And he said, it said happiness was happenings. 
So, you know, like me, I've had this lovely holiday. I was really happy. I saw my last, my newest, sorry, grandchild. I was really happy. We have friends round. It makes us happy. We have beautiful, happy times. Happenings, events make us happy. But then the holiday's over and the friends maybe move away and the phone call comes that we don't want to have. And that happiness can dissolve like a bubble in the air that's just been blown. It's over. The total difference between happiness and joy. Joy is what Paul had in his sufferings. Paul knew that he had Christ. He had that complete assurance and knowledge and peace and trust that his God loved him. And that gave him joy. So as I finish, I just want to try and keep remembering this week and forever, really. Happiness comes from happenings. Joy comes from Christ. Amen.